everybody. It's Jim Nasano and College Hoops Chat Radio Show here on WVOX 1460 AM, my favorite radio station. Happy to be here with all of you for our first episode of the postseason. College basketball season 2020-2021 is over. We have a national champ. We all know it's Baylor. Baylor played a tremendous game in the national championship game. But let me get to this in a second. So uh, anyway, I want you to know all to know that I raced to the studio today. Last night, I got on a plane in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Well, I thought I was getting on a plane at 7.30 p.m. to get home uh, last night, flying from Fort Lauderdale. I was visiting my brother and sister, flying back uh, to uh, Westchester County Airport. Guess what time my plane got in? 20 hours later, I touched down about 2 o'clock this afternoon. I'm not kidding, folks. I got to the airport last night for a 7.30 flight, and I didn't get to the Westchester County Airport 20 hours. There was so many storms in Florida, it shut down so many planes uh, that the whole Fort Lauderdale Airport got shut down. We all sat there pretty much like idiots all night long waiting to find out if they'd fly us. Uh, It was crazy. Did you ever have a 20-hour delay on a flight? So I came racing to the studio, and I'm here, but we have a great show. A lot of people said they'd give us a call and talk about different items, so I'm excited. Let me jump into the Baylor-Gonzaga game. Uh, I have so, you, can, you can say so much about this game. Uh, so one commentator, I forgot who it is, but one of the famous people, who said, Gonzaga shouldn't feel bad. The unbeaten, great Gonzaga Bulldogs, uh, who were trying to be the first team since 1976, Indiana, to be unbeaten for the whole season and win the national championship. What this commentator said was nobody was beating Baylor last Monday night, a week ago tonight. Baylor had a tremendous game. Their guard play was tremendous. Guard play matters so much in the national championship and the big dance. Uh, But look at these stats, folks. Baylor outshot from the field um, Gonzaga 51 to 45%. They outshot them from three-point line, 44 to 29%. They out-rebounded them, 38 to 22. Even the free throws, Baylor hit 89%, Gonzaga only 71. When you get outshot from the field, when you get outshot at the three-point line significantly, when you get out-rebounded and you get beat at the free throw line, you're not going to win a basketball game. No, nobody was beating Baylor. Baylor played a great game. I'm not, you know, some people are saying a perfect game. It's hard to play a perfect game. Villanova almost did in 1985. But Baylor played a pretty damn great game. And I think they would have beat a lot of national championship teams over the last two decades. They were that good that night. Jared Butler, 22 points. He was tremendous. Davion Mitchell, 15 points. Tremendous. Um, Teague, sitting 19 points. Uh, tremendous. Two for three from the three-point line. Uh, Teague was terrific. Uh, Vital and Thamba shut down Timmy. So it was a tremendous performance. So impressive. And uh, you take your hat off to Gonzaga and you say to yourself, well done. A great season. You just lost one game. But Gonzaga was great. Timmy, Suggs, the whole crew, a bunch of them are going to be in the NBA. It was one of the all-time great seasons in in the history of the sport, 
They remind me of that year when UNLV, I think, lost in the, in the Final Four. Uh, when they were unbeaten, they lost to Duke. That was one of the great teams I ever saw, that UNLV team. They just had a bad night. And Gonzaga got outplayed by Baylor last Monday night, April 5th, for the national championship. And I want to say it again. Baylor would have beat a lot of teams in the national championship game in, uh, over the last couple of decades. That's how great they played in that game. Now, I want to tell you one thing that I thought really mattered in the game. All right, folks? I thought that Baylor um, was very fresh. They pounded Houston in the Final Four. It was a pretty easy win for Baylor, a cushy win against Houston. Uh, they were They were fresh, and they were ready for Monday night after the Final Four on Saturday. Gonzaga got punched in the gut by UCLA. We all saw the game, the magical shot by Suggs. Um, in, in overtime, it was a tremendous game. It was, you know, all-time great game, folks. People are saying it's like an all-time great Final Four basketball game. I think what happened, folks, is that Gonzaga got punched in the gut Saturday by UCLA, and they weren't able to recover from Monday night. I really believe that because Gonzaga blew out everybody all year. Since Christmas time, they blew out everybody. They were not used to having back-to-back tough games. You know, you know who was used to it? Baylor. Because they had to play Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Texas Tech. The Big 12's loaded. Baylor had a bunch of games where they had back-to-back-to-back tough outings. They had to play a really good team. They were used to getting punched in the gut and coming back. Gonzaga wasn't used to it. They didn't get punched in the gut all season. Uh, at least not since Christmas. Uh, in their conference, they pulled everybody away. 10, 20 points. I think it was a major difference in that game. That Gonzaga kind of had a hangover from the UCLA game. They weren't used to bouncing back. They looked tired a step slow. And Baylor just took it to them and won the national championship. Uh, Bryce Drew. Um, uh, just... Uh, a tremendous season. They were well coached. Uh, they're smart kids. They're smart players. Uh, I'm sorry, I said Bryce Drew. That's his brother. Scott Drew is the coach of uh, Baylor. Uh, I think he's one of the great coaches in America. I think you got to put him on the list now, folks. Put Scott Drew of Baylor on the list of the top coaches in America. That was a tremendous coaching job all season from beginning to end with that Baylor team. Um, so let's take our hat off to Baylor. A really Great national champion. I think we can all agree on that. All right, we have so many people calling tonight. We're going to start with Guy Filatico from Iona Hoops. He's going to be calling in a couple minutes. We're going to be talking about the transfer portal. Folks, that's what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks, the transfer portal. Why? 25% of the college basketball players in Division I went into the transfer portal. Kids were ready to transfer. Why? The NCAA is giving a a, a one-year uh, transfer-free uh, policy now. So in the old days, if you transferred, you had to sit out a year, unless you were a graduate transfer. But if you were a regular player in your four years in college and you transferred, you had to sit out for one year, right? Now, every kid, we call them kids, every player in America in college basketball, Division One, when you transfer now, you get one free transfer. You don't have to sit out. So since the rule just went into effect this year, one out of every four kids in America is in the transfer portal. It's crazy. A school like St. John's has seven, eight guys in the transfer portal. I'm, I'm shocked by that. 
because St. John's was kind of a together, uh, well-coached, impressive team this year, St. John's. I'm surprised so many of their uh, players went into the transfer portal, and there's reasons for it. We can talk about that tonight. Um, Iona did pretty well. Iona lost a couple of kids, but not players in the main rotation. We'll talk about that with Guy Falatico when he calls in a couple of minutes. But the transfer portal is fundamentally changing college basketball. It's bringing a level of free agency to college basketball that we've never seen before. Uh, But there's a caveat with the transfer portal. There is a caveat. A lot of kids went into the transfer portal, but nobody's contacting them. Interesting, right? Just because you go into the transfer portal doesn't mean any team is going to have interest in you. And that's a piece of the transfer portal that I don't think is being told very well in the media. Uh, We have a caller? Hello, Guy Falatico, my friend from Iona Hoops. Are you there? See, I, I heard you talking transfer, transfer portal. I knew I had to call in. Couldn't control yourself. <laughs> it's taking over all of us, Jim. It is. We're all obsessed with the words transfer portal. And uh, I am too, Guy, and I've been studying it myself. And uh, I was just mentioning a point that I find very interesting, Guy, that I don't see covered maybe enough in the media, but... Uh, just because 25% of the kids in America are in the transfer portal, it doesn't mean 25% of them are going to be able to transfer because it takes two to tango, two to dance. There are kids, I keep calling them kids, college basketball players in the portal. Nobody's even reached out to them yet. It's true. And, you know, a lot of these kids are going to probably end up going D2. There's nothing wrong with that because it's still still scholarship. But, you know, when you think transfer, you think transfer up. But a lot of these kids end up transferring down. Absolutely. And I, like, I'll give you an example, and I'm bummed to tell you this. As you know, Guy, because we talk offline about basketball, my son's down at South Carolina, so I'm a South Carolina basketball fan. They had a bunch of guys, four or five guys, either go to the NBA draft. Actually, I think it's like seven altogether. Either the NBA draft or they went into the transfer portal. They were all like three-star players, Guy. Um, mm-hmm. There looks like they're all going. Unfortunately, the guys they're bringing in from the portal are backups at... Um, uh, power five schools, they're, so they're not as good as the guys leaving, or they're average players mid-major. So South Carolina is not getting better through the transfer portal. Talent level, they're actually getting worse. And and that's just it too. Is you know one of the new recruiting tactics that has really taken off the last four or five years has been major schools plucking all stars from mid-majors. And how many times have we seen it not work out? <laughs> it's, it's just a different level of ball, different level of athlete. And not every kid who's good at a mid-level school can make that jump and be successful. It's just, it's more rare than anything else. But that said, you know, the kid, I understand taking that shot. You want to test yourself against the best. All right, listen, the bottom line is this guy. I, I, my view is since we allow coaches to skip out of their uh, deals and go anywhere they want in America to coach, Players should kind of have the same option if they give it to the coaches. I agree. I, I do think it's a little chaotic right now because they get, they granted everybody the extra year because of COVID. Uh, and the one the one suggestion I've seen that I like is not allowing kids to transfer until after their sophomore year. I agree um, with and that. I, I, I hope that's one that that ends up sticking. I like that. I saw that also in the media. Uh, absolutely, that would be a better change. Let them stay at least two years and get acclimatized yep. to the new program. Yeah, yeah, because right now we're at a point where if a kid comes into a school, he's not starting, he's out of there. And the idea of developing a player, watching him grow, I know there are people, real true college basketball purists, who, who miss that. For Iona's sake, <laughs> it doesn't really bother me. Iona's managed the portal quite well, um, but I understand the purists 
want to see like a kid come in as a freshman and develop and all that. But all right, so let's get into the Iona College Gale. So I'm going to give you the preview, and I know you've done a lot of research, so you can fill in um, all the info. So Iona got two big upgrades on the transfer portal. Not so much. I'm not saying upgrade from the great seniors they had this year, uh, Gist um, and Ross who it looks like are both gone, who were excellent players and put the team on their back, took us to the uh, NCAA tournament. But they got two big-time players out of the transfer portal. So let's do the one who first who came in first. Uh, his name is Elijah Joyner. He's a guard from the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. He's a grad mm-hmm. senior. Now, Guy, uh, just so you know, last year, Tulsa played South Carolina, so I watched the game. Um, yeah. He's an excellent, solid point guard. Uh, I looked at his stats, 11.3 points per game, four assists a game, played 31 minutes a game. Uh, he's a solid American conference, which is a high mid-major conference point guard. I think he's going to fit in perfectly with Rick Pitino and Iona College, this Elijah Joyner. You know, and, and I saw a bunch of highlights from him, too. And you know what I thought? I mean, he's 6'3". Um, his, his uh, like you said, he has he averages four assists a game. He only averages two two turnovers a game, so he's got a great assist to turnover ratio. And then watching his highlights, he has a very similar game to Asante Gist. He's just bigger and he handles the ball better. So it, you know, I'm not going to say it's an upgrade. There's no guarantees, but it, it potentially an upgrade there with with, with that trade off. I agree. I agree, guys. So he's. I, I think he's probably as good as Gist, or maybe a little better. I think that's a good way to say it. I agree. And and I bet he's. I'm going to bet he's. And then this is not a, a, certainly a shot at it. it's not that Gist in any way. Uh, I'm going to bet he's a better defender. Yeah, I look, we love Gist because Gist down the stretch, particularly in a MAC conference, uh, really put the team on his back and played terrific. So always going to love. Asante Gist, that's for sure. Yep. But Elijah yep. Joyner, as you're saying, guy, on paper, is a terrific transfer. And here's the big piece of this guy, right? We know, because you and I have been together, have been covering Iona for the past year with Rick Pitino. Rick Pitino's known as a player development guru. He didn't even get uh, Elijah Joyner in the gym yet. If there's no COVID shutdowns and they get the full off season and the full season of practice, uh, let Rick Pitino take Elijah Joyner's game to another level. I, I agree. If they're looking at his numbers, if there's the one thing that you can say, well, I wish he did this a little bit better. It's his three point shooting, but he's still at thirty three percent. But you know, that's I mean, he, look what look what Pitino did with a couple of these gals who did not come in with reputations as shooters, uh, and Barrett Sean Louis and and even the freshman Ryan Myers, and both of them shot. Just tremendously. I agree. This year. That's great. And he, you're right. He hit 33% on his three pointers last year. Not a bit. I'll tell you, he shot 46% field goal percentage. That's pretty good for a point yeah. guard because they're not exactly getting to the hole that much. Right. And, but that's, that's, you know, you watch his highlights, though. That's what he does. That's why he's got that little bit of Asante in him. If the three's not there, he's not afraid to go to the basket. Unlike Asante, he, this kid's got a little more size, isn't, you know, isn't, is a little more able to go challenge the trees. Right, and and I will tell you something. I don't exactly remember, Guy, how he played defense because it was that one game I saw him against South Carolina, but I absolutely know that he could drive, that he could pass, that he could shoot, and that he, you just saw him out there as a solid college basketball point guard. And Rick Pitino likes point guards. He'll play two point guards if he can. Uh, Rick Pitino uh, wants veteran point guard leadership, and he exactly got that with Elijah Joyner. Yep, absolutely. You could not have found a better replacement 
for a contact guest without question. All right, so let's go to player number two. His name is Tyson Jolly. He's coming from the SMU Mustangs, who were pretty good. They were 11-6, also in the American Conference. Uh, the only problem with him is that he didn't have a great year last year. He only played eight games. Apparently, there was uh, uh, some issues in the family, some illness or death, and some people he knew. And with the COVID going on, he just decided to shut down for a while. Then he came back. But from what everybody says, he's a good kid, um, and he's really excited to play Fiona. So he only averaged 9.3 a game. But the prior year, when he played the yeah. full season, he played 35 minutes a game. Um, he averaged 14.6 points a game and 6.2 rebounds a game as a guard at SMU. And originally, Guy, he was a Baylor recruit. So this is yep. a big-time player that I only got. A lot of talent. Uh, he did redshirt, eventually went to JUCO. But in JUCO, he was an All-American, 22.6 points a game, 12.5 rebounds a game, 4 assists a game. He was a superstar in JUCO. Then he went uh, to SMU. And, and like I said, in 2019-2020, he had a terrific year. And last year, not so great, but it sounds like this is a very talented player that's going to come into Iona and be a very talented guy in the MAC conference. Yeah, and, and you know, he's a super athlete. The staff is, is, believe me when I tell you this, the staff is really, really excited. You know, this was one that kind of snuck up on people. The kid was in the portal, and a day later he committed uh, to Iona. So you knew that Iona kind of saw the opportunity. They knew this kid, and they wanted him. And they let him know right away. And, and, I mean, this is a kid that if he were still in the portal right now, he'd have a whole bunch of majors going after him because of that potential. Um, yeah, you mentioned his numbers were down because of all the other stuff. I mean, there was a, it was a car accident. It was all kinds of stuff. It was just a, a mess of a 20, like it was everybody else, a mess of a 2020 for him. Um, but the one thing he did, you know, uh, in that great year, uh, his junior year at SMU, he shot um, 38% from three. He did shoot 39% last year. Um, and he did play well in the last couple of games of the year. I think he had a season high in the in their conference tournament loss. So um, he started starting to get his legs back a little bit as the season went on. So I, I yeah, the staff is super excited. The kid is, looks like a great athlete. If you watch his highlights, he's dunking, he's driving the baseline and dunking. He's pl- he, he reminds you of a more polished Eric Jean Louis. Interesting. So it's a great recruit. Um, this is a very talented person. I think it's fair to say, guy that this is going to be one of the more high-end talents in the MAC conference. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so hard to picture how everybody's going to fit together because not only do you have, you have the new elements of the two of this all-star backcourt, but then you have the entire frontcourt back, and including Dylan Van Eyck, who, who uh, you know, had the option of leaving, but said, uh, you know, he, he's taking advantage of having that one more year. And like all, so many seniors who decide to go to the portal and try to look somewhere else, he said, why would I leave him? going to play on a great team. I'm going to play for Coach Pagino another year. So we have the entire – we have uh, Jean-Louis back. We have Dylan Van Eyck back. We have Nelly Jr. Joseph back. Um, Osborne Sheen is back. Uh, we, you know, Robert Brown is back from – will be back from his injury. You know, we have great recruits coming in. So the front court was already set. We were concerned about the youth in the back court. That was addressed in just this ridiculously monster way with an all with just two all-stars brought in, basically. I, I mean, agree. The anticipation – I mean, I don't know. I'm pumped for next year already. Uh, it's gonna, you know, if if everything goes back to normal to some degree, where Rick gets his time with his assistant coaches to fully coach the guys up uh, for an off season and then the full early season, you know, getting them in the gym in September when they're allowed to start official practices. If Rick can get 
his full-time coaching, no COVID shutdowns. This is going to be a tremendous team. This is going to be regular season. I'm going to predict already they're going to win the MAC Conference regular season. Anything can happen in a conference tournament. But this is a team with a great shot of going back to the NCAA tournament and maybe winning a couple of games. That, that's right. You know, and you talk about the, you know, the time that Rick Pitino will have to prepare. There's one variable, another variable that COVID may or may not affect. Pitino's been talking all, all season about taking his team to Greece over the summer. I saw so that. if they get that extra time to travel together, get games in against pro teams in Greece or whoever they might be playing, maybe the Greece national team, I don't know, whoever they may be because Bettino's supposed to coach that team uh, in their, uh, I guess, their Olympic uh, qualifiers or whatever this summer. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, you get another couple weeks of games in against professional players from Greece, and it gives all these new guys just that much more time to practice, get on the court together, and that much more of a head start when everybody else is just getting going and uh, come the fall. So, oh, I mean, it's so wow. exciting. And, of course, we have this great non-conference schedule forming. So, oh, I can't wait. So exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting. Uh, Iona's got a tr- – right now on paper, Iona's got an incredibly talented team. They're going to have year two under Rick Pitino. Hopefully he gets all his practice time. Hopefully they get this trip to Greece over the summer. I mean, it's all things to put a big smile on your face as an Iona College basketball fan. And, and that's just it. I mean, he said a couple times during the year because of all the practice time they lost, the only thing he can do is just teach them how to play man-to-man defense. But look how great they were a man-to-man down the stretch. They, they just smothered everybody in Atlantic City, all four teams they played. And then they shut down one of the best offensive teams in the country. Uh, you know, we had offensive flaws ourselves, or maybe we have a shot against Alabama in that game. But think about what the, I mean, Alabama's offense is one of the top ten offenses in the country. Uh, and, probably, and they play one of the fastest tempos in the country, and they didn't even get out of the 60s against us. And that's just playing straight man-to-man. He hasn't yeah. even put in his pressure defenses yet. Yeah, wait till he so, starts pressuring the ball on a missed shot, you know, uh, or, or yeah. pressure the ball even better, out of bounds. Wait till he gets his pressure defense full court. It's going to be a whole different animal. Yep, absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, Guy, we're going to have a lot of fun together. Hopefully, Guy, so Guy, this is a funny thing. Guy and I have made friends. We... We help each other in covering Ione. He's been a great supporter of this radio show. We So thank you, Guy. I've tried to help uh, his website, ionahoops.com as well. But we've never met personally because of COVID. Uh, next year, Guy, I'm looking forward to sitting next to you at Iona College basketball games so we can chat throughout the game. Absolutely, and I'm definitely going to have you on my podcast during this summer break. We have lots of, lots of things that will be cooking, hopefully, again. Especially if this team's talking talking about going to Greece, we're going to have previews of, of stuff in, uh, for the summer. That sounds great. So we'll definitely have you on then, and yeah, we'll actually see each other in person. Hopefully, come November. That's great. So, guy, tell everybody before we sign off uh, about your website and how people uh, get involved with it. Well, it's 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 just the message board. I own a hoops dot com. It's been around for more than twenty years now. Um, got, we have uh, about nine million hits over the years, so it's been pretty active. Winning certainly helps that. Uh, uh, but uh, and then since then, in the last year or so, I uh, also started a podcast that you could find links to right from the Iona message board as well. Uh, I've had a great year doing that with some great guests and uh, have a great off season plan. So including some guy named Jim Maizano. So that'd be great. Well, thank you, guy. Guy, you do a great job. Iona College is lucky to have you out there covering them. Uh, right back at you. Thank you. All right, Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com. Thank you for the call. Um, Folks, we're going to the commercial break, and we'll be back uh, for the second half of the show. I'm Jim Misano. This is College Hoops Chat.
Westchester's favorite morning show. I love the morning show. Good morning, Westchester, with Dennis and Tommy. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. Okay, folks, Jim Massano on College Hoops Chat, and we have our number one caller, Kenny from Rye on the line. Good evening, Kenny. James, how you doing? How's everything Welcome going? Back to Florida. Yes, thank you. Kenny, you are still in Florida. I barely got back from Florida. <laughs> it was a tough weekend weather-wise. Sure, yeah, Sunday particularly, a lot of rain on Sunday. How, did it rain where you are? It rained uh, all day Sunday, uh, I should say Sunday afternoon, and uh, Monday through about uh, 10 o'clock, and right. kind of that lightning storm, so I'm sure it was uh, messed up this morning as well, the flights. That yeah, was crazy. All right, Kenny from Rye, first first thought from you. What you think of the national championship game? Unfortunately, it was a little bit of a, uh, you know, a, little bit of a snooze game, and the fact is, as you say, it was a complete domination by... Uh, Baylor, and I think you, you you brought up a good point. The game on the game before with against UCLA, I think as you, as you talked about, was was so close. And for a season that had gone extremely well for Gonzaga, I think a little bit of doubt creeped crept in. And when that started to creep in, plus maybe their legs weren't as fresh, going against a team like Baylor, it was it was just too much. I mean, the whole uh, crescendo of events didn't work there well. You could see right off the bat, obviously, when they were down ten early. They just couldn't get their act together, and then just got worse from there. So, unfortunately, uh, for for us as viewing audience, it wasn't much of a game, and wasn't really talked about much after the fact. Because I think Baylor, looking the way they look, probably could have beaten the Knicks that night. That's <laughs> funny, you know, Kenny. There's probably a reason why mid majors don't win the national championship, and uh, it has. Believe it or not, I don't think it's happened in two decades. The last mid major to win the national championship uh, was UNLV, and they were loaded that year. Um, Larry, I think that was like the Larry Johnson era back then. They were loaded. They're the last team to win um, the national championship. And I think the problem for mid-majors is there are great teams like that UNLV team, like Gonzaga this year, but they're not playing uh, really tight, close, close gut-check games every night. Um, and I think it really shows up a little bit in the tournament when you're used to blowing out teams and you're not used to these rugged games where you got to turn around two nights later and play another tough team like the ACC, like the Big Ten, like the Pac-12, um, or uh, like the SEC, all these conferences. You really got to fight through this regular season uh, to even get to the NCAA tournament. I do think Gonzaga had it a little too easy in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we mentioned and we asked Coach Kennedy the week before uh, before the game, we were talking about the fact that Baylor has eight players that play over 15 minutes, and Gonzaga has five guys who played over 35 minutes. And that, that had been consistent on the games prior to uh, the, the, uh, um, the Final Four. So it was going to be difficult, I think, in, in general for Gonzaga anyway, <clears throat> because of the fact, as, as we mentioned, if, the, if anybody gets in trouble uh, foul-wise, it's going to be a problem. There was nowhere to go to the bench, and nor did they have anywhere near the talent that Baylor did in going to the bench. I mean, Baylor could go, you know, eight, nine deep. And right. So that, so that, Suggs, that came out right in the first half. Yeah, Suggs got into foul trouble. They had to take him off the court. It certainly helped, uh, or certainly helped Baylor and hurt Gonzaga. Meanwhile, on the other side, Adam Flagler comes off the bench for Baylor in that game, plays 22 minutes, hits three or four from three-pointer, plays great D, 
and gets 13 points. That's the difference. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think if I'm, as I say, they had eight players with over 15 minutes, and some of those guys were not starters, and they were playing 15, 18 minutes. So, again, as you were saying, they've played the Kansases of the world, so Gonzaga didn't really scare them by any means. Right. All right. Transfer portal, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting listening to the guy, you know, from a standpoint of Iona has benefited from this situation. I know you have uh, a superstar coach there, Tom Fryer, coming on, and I'd be interested to see what these coaches or someone like himself was trying to help his kids uh, deal with uh, in the recruitment of the high school kids where the coaching staff now has been stretched even thinner, I guess, to some extent from this process. Now, Iona has benefited here from a perspective of getting two solid players um, to fill in for the guards that had supposedly left and it looks like they're gone. So that's a good situation. Now, that, that's not going to be the case everywhere. You know, we, you and I have talked about it. This is not a good situation for St. John's. It's not a good situation for Pitt where their whole roster has been decimated. Providence, it seemed like they've kind of moved a few guys out who just didn't fit their roster, and Ed wants to kind of, Ed Cooley wants to remake a little bit. But he also now has to replace them. Right. So it's not only just a matter of, of, of people leaving, as you were saying, it's also a matter of replacing. And so will there be a mad scramble for people in the next week or two? I really don't know. But as you say, it is a little bit of a duck-duck-goose situation, and the chairs are running out for the better programs. So St. John's lost two very important players in the rotation, Marcus Erlington and Greg Williams. Also, um, altogether, they lost like seven different players. Uh, Vince Cole was a player in the rotation. Isaiah Moore was in uh, the rotation. They lost a lot of key players. Now, can St. John's get equal players out of the portal? But they haven't yet. They've got two nice players out of the portal, but they still need to replace, as you said, Ken, like three or four guys to have all their scholarships filled. St. John's right now is in a very difficult spot to get equal talent back out of the transfer portal. They could do it, but they're going to have to get it done, and they haven't yet. Yeah, but and as you mentioned also, if you're just trading, as, as you say, if you're just trading, quote-unquote, two-star players or three-star players, and you have and you 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 miss out on the development. So as you're saying, if people have been with your program for two years, they have a distinct advantage over someone who's coming in who's let's call it him of the same quality or the same ability. That person then has to learn the schedule, learn the system, uh, learn his teammates, learn the coaching nuances, and then try and figure it all out in a game time situation where he he feels even more pressure because he probably only has one year. I, I'm not sure that this is a great situation going forward. This may be a one off situation from a standpoint of the amount of people in it in the portal itself, but from a perspective of we'll be interested to see the success if we have a normal summer. I don't think we're going to have an international summer where they're going to be playing tournaments all over the world. They may get practice time. The NCAA may, may adjust that, but I don't think they're going to get a situation where they're playing real games overseas. I, think, I just think that's far, a little bit far off at this point. I agree. All right, Kenny, great job. I believe we have Tom Frey, the coach of Mount St. Michael on hold. So thank you for the call, and we'll be talking uh, this week for next week's show. All right, James. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, Kenny from Rye. Key player on the Kyle Troops Chat radio show. Thank you. Hashtag Kenny from Rye. All right. We have on the phone line, I believe, my high school friend and now one of the best coaches in the New York metropolitan area, Tommy Freyer from Mount St. Michael. Tom, are you there? Hey, Jimmy. How are you? How's everything going? Everything's going great. How about yourself? Good, thanks. So you're still in this crazy dilemma, right, where your, where your kids aren't able to play games? Yeah, we're in it. They're going to try to bring New York City uh, teams up to Westchester to play um, at one, up at Stepanak. But, uh, you know, they're going to see how it goes. They're trying to get some kind of movement where the New York City kids can play. 
Right. I, I, my, I got. I listen. Uh, you're you're so close. These are your guys. You like you live and breathe with them. My heart breaks for your guys that they can't play the sport that they love. Uh, they've been shut down with the damn COVID and the and the and all, all these procedures that kind of changed their life. These kids love to play the game. It's such a shame that the mayor of New York couldn't figure a way to get these kids to play basketball games. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you start to get up to mid to late April. The AAU season's starting to kick in now. So I was actually down at an event on Saturday down at the Goucher Gym down by Yankee Stadium. And, um, it was pretty much business as usual down there. I mean, they had a, they had a packed gym. Um, you know, games going on, kids playing, um, no masks, coaches, no masks, referees, no masks. Um, you know, you, you sit there and you watch and you say, well, why can't you do this at, an, at, a, at a high school gym? So it just doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, nobody's watching. So, you know what, it's day-to-day. It's frustrating. All right, so, Tommy, I was looking at the transfer portal, and mm-hmm. I saw one of the best players uh, in recent times at Mount St. Michael who played fabulous basketball. You told me all about him um, when we watched some games one night after we got our vaccinations at the Beachmont. Uh, at Bryant College, one of your players is now in the transfer portal. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, Mike Green. You know what, um... It's been a two week, uh, two week, two week drama, you know. Show, but not not so much on his end, but more on the decision. Um, you know, Mike's just finished his sophomore year up there. He was Northeast Conference Player of the Year as a freshman, uh, Rookie of the Year as a freshman. This year, he's second team All League, and now he wants to put his name in the portal. And to be honest with you, I tried to talk him out of it. I don't think it's a good move. Um, and I told him, I said, look, I said, I'll support you in anything you do, but, you know, I'm not agreeing with this one. Um, you know, he, he played 36 minutes a game up at Bryant, and um, they were one one away from an NCAA bid. They didn't get it um, because of a couple of internal issues within the team. He decided he wants to leave. So, um, honestly, I tried to talk him out of it, but he's a grown man. He can make his own decisions, and, and that's the route he's going. So, uh, right. Needless to say, my phone's been pretty active the last three or four days. I've probably heard from about 13 schools, you know, on Mike Green. Wow, he can play, 13 you know, he can play at, at a mid-major level. Um, it's just a matter of finding the right spot, and I just hope it doesn't backfire. All right, so what are you hearing out there as a big-time high school basketball coach in the New York area about the transfer portal? What, what's everybody, what's the buzz? Well, the buzz is, is they have about 2,200 names in the portal, and honestly, 1,900 of those kids can't play at the level they want to play at and the transfer portal has made it easy for kids that don't want to get yelled at don't want to get coached hard saying you know what coach doesn't like me i'm not getting enough minutes i'm gonna go somewhere else and they think the grass is greener you know on the other side of the fence and it's not um you know you have kids putting their name in the portal who played average three minutes a game for the school that they played at so coaches looking at the portal saying let's look at this kid well, he played three minutes. Why would that kid think that another school would want him when he couldn't play more than three minutes at the school he's coming from, you know, no matter what school it was? So a lot of these kids, you know, just because they're unhappy, they put their name in the portal. And uh, <laughs> there's going to be a whole boatload of them that are really disappointed. Yeah, there's going to be uh, kids, right? When they don't get what they think they want to get or yeah. what they think they're going to get. There's, there's, there's hundreds of... Hundreds. College basketball kids that aren't even going to get a call from another school about transferring. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Uh, I actually have two kids in the portal right now. A kid who played for me who ended up transferring out. He had left. I won't say his name, but, you know, he uh, he's, he's leaving, and, and he, he may not get a call. 
Um, you know, Dunn, the, the backup point guard at St. John's, just committed today to Robert Morris. And that was one of the schools that reached out to me about Mike Green. So that kind of takes Robert Morris off the list for Mike Green. But that's how it goes. You have these guys studying the portal. I was on the phone today with the assistant at St. John's, Steve DeMeo, and he had called me on, on Mike Green. And, um, you know, they're studying the portal because they're trying to fill roster spots. I mean, you have coaches now. You know, sometimes it's easy for a college coach to kind of look at his roster and say, hey, you know what, we can weed out these three guys and try to bring on three others. Right. But it's not that easy. It's not that easy. All right, Tommy Freyer, Um, thank you for all that great information. We appreciate your support of the show and uh, getting information about what's going out there in the high school basketball world and, of course, college wrestling. Thanks, Tommy Freyer. All right, Jim, take care. Great. Talk to you soon. All right, Tom Freyer, coach of Mount St. Michael. Folks, we're going to our, our commercial break. Then we'll come back and do the final segment of the show. I'm Jim Misano. This is Kyle Troops Chat Radio Show. With radio's favorite morning team, Dennis and Tommy, and Good Morning Westchester. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9, right here on 1460 WVOX. 1460 WVOX. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. Okay, folks. Jim Maysano. College Hoops Chat Radio Show here on WVOX, New Rochelle's terrific community radio station. Happy to be here today with our weekly college basketball show. We're now doing kind of a recap of last season and getting ready to talk about next season already. Uh, We have uh, on the phone, I believe, uh, my friend Sam Basil, who covers uh, Fordham University basketball team. Sam, are you there? I'm here, Jim. How you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So you must be excited covering Fordham. Fordham has a new basketball coach, a guy from Brooklyn, 36-year-old Kyle Neptune, uh, who coached eight years under Jay Wright and Villanova. During that time, two national championships, five Big East titles. Jay Wright raves about Kyle Neptune as the new coach of Fordham. Uh, it's a tough job. They've only had two winning seasons in the Atlantic 10 since 1995. But if anybody could do it on paper, Kyle Neptune, the new coach of Fordham University, seems like a great fit. I totally agree. I mean, you know, as soon as as soon as Jeff Neubauer left the program uh, and people were, you know, giving their names, giving what they would want in the coach, um, there were two to three big qualities. Uh, recruiting. Uh, better scoring and just an overall better basketball culture at Fordham University. And I think, you know, I mean, it's, it's still early, but I mean, my pre- preliminary thought is that Kyle Neptune kind of meets all three of those qualities. I think it's very important that Kyle Neptune is a New Yorker because he's going to need to recruit at Fordham in the New York metropolitan area. They're not going to be drawing kids from all over America. Uh, there's no way Fordham is ever going to be a truly a strong program if they're not drawing kids from this region. And it doesn't have to be New York City. It could be the suburbs, the New York metropolitan area. It could be Connecticut. It could be Jersey. But Kyle Neptune, 
recruited in this area for Villanova. I think that's really going to help Fordham. Yes, no, I, I totally agree. Um, I, I, I definitely agree with the notion that Fordham is not really at that point yet um, in terms of a program where it, it should focus on recruiting nationally. Um, but lucky for them, I mean, they happen to be in the best basketball city in the world. So I, I, don't, I don't see that being much of a problem. Um, I actually spoke to Coach Neptune uh, a couple weeks back uh, once, once Fordham, you know, made the official announcement. And, you know, in, in my conversation with him, he really, you know, kind of laid the groundwork for what he wants to do. I mean, he, he talked about how he's in constant contact with, you know, people in top New York high school programs in the area. I mean, he's built this network, you know, in his, in his long career, you know, in the world of basketball, you know, as an assistant coach at Nova and now as the head coach at Fordham. So I think, I think that was another big reason why, you know, he was brought to lead this program. I mean, he's got the resources, he's got the connections, and I think he's really going to bring in some some top talent. Maybe not this year, considering that you know a lot of a lot of commitments have already been made. Uh, considering it's it's almost May, um, but I mean, I think over the next couple of years we should see some some solid names coming into this program. So I'm sure that Kyle Neptune is calling the prior caller. Tom Freyer, the coach of Mount St. Michael in the Bronx, a top New York Metropolitan high school basketball team. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was, it was kind of tough. I didn't really get any specific names from Coach Neptune, but I mean, any, any, any big school is on his radar. Right. So what's the buzz uh, with Fordham fans and the Fordham alumni? What are you hearing about the Kyle Neptune hire? Overall, I mean, I think people are really happy. Um, you know, I think one thing, one thing that this, this hire is doing is, you know, even, even if next year, you know, we're not winning an eight, they're not winning an A-10 championship. They're not, you know, getting into the NCAA tournament. Um, I think there are a lot more eyes on this program right now than there were this time last year. Um, I think you can see that already, you know, in the fact that, you know, if you're looking at if you're looking at Fordham in terms of the transfer portal this year, uh, we actually have we're coming out with a you know a net positive of players this year I instead saw of that. a net negative. I mean, I, I I don't know if you saw recently, but it was announced that uh, Penn State uh, soft redshirt sophomore forward Patrick Kelly will actually be coming to the program. Right, I thought and, that know, was a with, great get. With, yeah, I mean, you know, with Patrick Kelly, it's really hard to make an assessment on a guy like this. I mean. Of course, you know, I'm happy for him. I, I hope he does well. But, I mean, he just didn't really get a lot of time at Penn State. Right. So it, it's not, you're not really going to be able to get a good idea of what he's able to do until he hits the court for Fordham. But I think the fact that, you know, we're, that they're getting guys to the school instead of scrambling to keep guys from leaving the school is already a good sign. No um, question. Also, aside from guys coming from other schools, uh, recently, Chuba Ohams, who entered the transfer portal, has just announced that he will he will be leaving the transfer portal to finish his career at Fordham. So I think that's a great sign. And that's the result of the new coach, no question. Oh, no doubt. No doubt in my mind. Right. So, Sam, Sam um, listen, Iona College, as you know, has had a great run in the last two decades. Coach Kloos did a great job. Before that, you had people like uh, Jeff Ruland, and Kevin Willard, 
And the thing that Iona did so well for the last couple of decades was they were able to recruit kids through the through transfers who went to Power 5 schools. They lived in the New York metropolitan area. It didn't really work out. They came back home to play in front of friends and family at Iona. Uh, they might have been averaging, like this Pat Kelly guy, three points, four points a game uh, in a Power 5 conference. But when they came to Iona in the MAC conference, they flourished. And I think that could also be a strategy for Fordham. I totally agree. I mean, you know, I, I talked about it. I've talked about it a couple of times on your show. Um, there were there were a lot of guys, you know, at my four years of Fordham going to games. I mean, there were a lot of guys coming from away schools that would draw in huge crowds. I mean, the, the first thing that comes to mind was was Dayton Scoochie Smith from from a couple, you know, from around three or four years ago. Whenever Dayton would be the away team at Fordham, I mean, he's a Bronx native. The Rose Hill Gym would be absolutely packed. So for those guys to already have an idea of what that crowd could be like for them in you know one game a year as an away team, I mean I think I think it'd be a great selling point to say, hey, you know what, this crowd could be here for you fifteen, sixteen times a year. You know, every home game that you play each season is going to draw home crowds like this because you're the hometown guy playing for the Bronx School. So I think you know Coach Neptune's a smart guy. And when talking to guys that are potentially in the transfer portal, I mean, I think that would be one of, if not the top selling points for Fordham. I thought when I read the article in the New York Post about Coach Kyle Neptune coming to Fordham, one of the best coaches in America, Jay Wright, said, not only is he a great recruiter, he's even as good or better an X and O's guy, which means you're getting a complete coach. He can coach the game, he can do player development, and he can recruit. Uh, I it sounds it sounds like uh, Fordham at least hit a double or a triple, maybe even a home run on this coaching hire. Oh, I, I would totally agree. And you know, talking on the X's and O's side, I mean, I tried I tried to get a little something out of Coach Neptune when I first talked to him, but uh, it, it didn't really look like that was his main priority yet. But even though I'm sure he would like to establish his own identity in terms of strategy, I mean, coming from the Jay Wright school of of X's and O's is a huge, another huge plus for this program. I mean, Jay Wright was, you know, is patented for that four out, one in scheme uh, that produces a lot of, a lot of three point balls, but it also really opens up the court for a versatile offense. And if Fordham can, if Fordham can do something like that and improve this offense that unfortunately was, was a bit lacking in the Newbauer era, uh, I think that'd be great. So a little bit like Baylor, right? That's how Baylor plays. Exactly, exactly. Baylor, Baylor, one of the best, you know, shooting teams in the country. I mean, we saw it uh, last Monday against against Gonzaga. I mean, they 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 really know how to shoot the lights out of a team. And what's great about the four out one in is that even even if your shooters aren't too hot one night or the defense is really good on the perimeter, it leaves you open so that you know the big guys and the forwards can come in and still get those those points in the paint. I agree, Sam. So let me let me be brutally honest, Sam. You're a very nice guy, polite. So uh, during the in our prior calls, you were very respectful to Coach Newbauer because uh, you covered the team and you and you had to be. But I got to be honest with you. I'm going to be a little <laughs> harsher. Uh, I'm a St. Bonaventure fan, as you know. I attended St. Bonaventure, and it was almost every time I went to the Fordham gym when St. Bonaventure was playing Fordham, Mark Schmidt out coached Newbauer almost every time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, (laughs) 
you no, know, I, 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 I have a hard time disagreeing with you there. I mean, that's that's also. I mean, that's also a testament to just how great of a coach Mark Schmidt is. But I agree. Yeah, I mean, regardless, regardless of what happened in the, in, in this previous era of Florida basketball, I think, I think the Rams are going to be much better under Kyle Neptune. I agree. All right, so Sam. If we can, we're going to sit together at a game, St. Bonaventure Fordham game next year and watch it together. How about that? Sounds great. I'll see you there. All right, Sam. Thank you, Sam Basil, who covers Fordham University College Basketball Team. All right, folks. uh, That's the end of the show. I'm Jim Misano. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being part of College Hoops Chat. We'll be back next week for some more college basketball analysis as we talk about the ending season and we talk about next year what's going on in college basketball. Jim Misano here. See you next week. Bye-bye now.